This is Reimagining Healthcare, a podcast about innovation in the healthcare industry. It's a show for healthcare business owners, for healthcare professionals, for industry investors, and health tech entrepreneurs. On the show, I talk to health tech and healthcare innovators to uncover how they're reimagining and building a world of seamless digital healthcare experiences and how that fits into people's lives. I'm your host, Yanni Sapanos. Today, I'm speaking with Nick Grant, Head of Healthcare at OpenPay. They're a next-generation payment solution offering buy now, pay later within healthcare and other markets. Nick shares his journey from a former practicing osteopath to working within digital health and fintech to land the role as Head of Healthcare for OpenPay and why he's committed to helping healthcare providers extend the choice to their clients to manage budgets better when it comes to accessing healthcare. We cover off what buy now, pay later is, or BNPL, and the big healthcare challenges that Buy Now Pay Later addresses and overcomes, as well as the value to both consumers and healthcare providers in adopting the Buy Now Pay Later approach, including opportunities for new client acquisition in healthcare, better healthcare outcomes via innovative affordability models of care, and the prospective innovation opportunity for healthcare providers to reimagine the way that healthcare and treatment aids can be offered to clients. Let's jump in. Well, hey there, Nick. How are you doing today? Good, Yanni. How are you? I'm excellent, thank you. Super excited to have you join me today on the podcast to talk about, I guess, the convergence between innovation in fintech and consumer payments methodologies and digital health and healthcare in general. So thanks for taking the time. And it's great to learn a little bit more about you today because you originated in healthcare. Tell me a little bit about your journey from your healthcare origins leading to where you are today with OpenPay. Yeah, thanks, Johnny. And yeah, nice to be here. I think sort of exciting with some of the conversations we've had and yeah, particularly around healthcare, health tech and fintech and how they're starting to come together. My background started as a, as a health professional. I was working as initially as an osteopath in private practice for a couple of years and worked in Melbourne out of the Western suburbs in a couple of practices out there, which was a really great experience to sort of start my career in, in healthcare and get a really good feel for working with, with patients one-to-one, working autonomously. And I think you get a really good feel for how you need to communicate and work with a patient one-on-one in that healthcare setting. And it's sort of that was what took me then to moving more into corporate health and health tech as well. So after working for a couple of years as an osteopath, I made the decision to move more into a corporate role, which was a company called UHG based in Paran in Melbourne. And what that business was looking at was sort of health tech solutions and a telehealth solution for corporates. So I managed a 24-7 telehealth company within UHG that was working with the likes of sort of Qantas, Virgin, Jetstar, some sort of large employers, which was, was really exciting to sort of bring health and tech together for that solution. And then started working on our platform that was connecting healthcare providers and business users. And that was really exciting to sort of start to bring more of that health tech together. And that was what eventually led me to OpenPay. And I've been now the head of healthcare at OpenPay for the past sort of 18 months, starting in the the back end of 2019. And that is as I was very much a platform fintech business and bringing together merchants or sort of healthcare providers with consumers from a payment solution. 
Yeah, it's super exciting. I, I met you not too long after you became the head of healthcare. So we've been building a relationship for a little while and it'd be great at some stage for us to talk about the innovation that we put together respectively with Core Plus and OpenPay. But before we get into that, when I was following the Buy Now, Pay Later story in Australia and how successful it's been, we've seen just incredible adoption rate for consumers to respond to the ability to better manage their consumption choices from a financing standpoint and a budgetary standpoint. Super exciting and major penetration in the Australian community at this point in time in using Buy Now, Pay Later. But what was particularly a standout for OpenPay was the fact that it appointed a head of healthcare. And so that was a really clear signal of the importance of overcoming and supporting some of the barriers and issues that come to adopting healthcare. So I wonder if you could sort of just tell me about your take on what is OpenPay and what is the interest particularly in the vertical of healthcare? Yeah, sure. It's a good question, and particularly when we look at the like the broader buy now pay later space, that there's been a lot of activity over the last couple of years, a lot of growth from businesses like ours and others, both in, in Australia and internationally. And I think for OpenPay, what our mission is is to change the way people pay for the better. And really the way that we're going about that is taking a verticalized view, which is meaning we're sort of deciding certain areas and segments that we're really focused on and really think we can sort of add value to and really sort of make the biggest impact. What that means is rather than, I suppose, look at that crowded pay-in-for space where there's a lot of buy-now, pay-later providers that have grown phenomenally and have taken a really good foothold in fashion retail, that we're really focusing on some of those key areas, which include healthcare, automotive, home improvement, memberships and education is a new market for us more recently, and then also bigger ticket retail. And the way we do that is rather than having sort of quite a, I suppose, a fixed product is looking at having more of a flexible platform that will allow businesses and consumers to take out a payment plan from pretty much a dollar through to $20,000 and from two months to 24 months and having flexibility in between. And that for us is probably the real sort of differentiator around having a flexible product which can change depending on the business that we work with and having a really sort of a strong view on where the areas that we are going to play and really invest in and to be able to be a real provider of choice in healthcare and automotive and these other areas. And they're the two pieces that I think we really see ourselves being at that differentiated type player. And that's been really successful to date on, on focusing on those areas in Australia. And we're in the process of growing out into those areas in, the, in our UK business and also into the US in the later part of this year as well. I think you're recently recognized as one of the fastest growing tech businesses in the Asia-Pac region, but you're also obviously expanded in the UK and the US coming out of Australia. So it's a really good success story there as well. Are you seeing the healthcare vertical playing itself out in the UK and the US as well, or is it more in the Australian sector? You're getting most of the traction at the moment. Most of the traction at the moment has been in the Australian sector. So our Australian business is our most mature. It's the most mature market for buying our payloader at the moment. And our UK business, we're in the process of bringing that into the healthcare market. So that will first start in the veterinary sector. Veterinary falls into healthcare. There's a lot of similarities with the relationship and the type of procedures, be it an animal or a person. We're launching in the veterinary market in the UK as we speak, and that will soon follow into other healthcare spaces. I think there's a real opportunity over there, particularly in you know self-pay areas in the UK and dental areas that don't quite have the same finance models that we're sort of growing here in Australia. And the US will also commence with a really strong focus in healthcare, the, the veterinary and sort of dental markets over there particularly. 
I think there's interests and there are areas that we think our product really fits a need over there to be able to support those areas. There was a little bit of controversy a few years ago with the understanding of buy now, pay later, because the success of it was just so great and so fast. You know, consumers just said, yes, we need this. We get it. We understand why this is valuable for us. And government was caught a little bit wrong-footed and probably made a bit of a storm in a teacup kind of uh, (laughs) fiasco, in my view, at the time. But nevertheless, I want to give you the opportunity because I think it's important to get this out. Part of your brand promise at OpenPay is the responsible way for consumers and businesses to get what they want and need. So tell me a little bit more about that, I guess, from your point of view, how you connect with the OpenPay brand promise. From a a regulatory point of view, that's something that has sort of started to evolve over the last couple of years and OpenPay and a number of others have been a founding signatory to the new code of practice. And that's, I think, a really important step from an industry point of view to be able to have that sort of self-regulating body to be able to provide some safeguards around the product as it continues to grow. From an open pay point of view, our product is always no interest. And the way that we really focus on how that works from a responsible lending and a transparency point of view is any fees, particularly associated with a consumer or a patient, are always fixed. They're always transparent and they're provided to the patient as they make the decision to enter into a plan with open pay. And I think that's probably, I think, with the real piece where we've seen growth come from is consumers and customers want transparency. They don't want interest-bearing products that are going to shock them at a later point. And for us, it's really being completely transparent with our customers and taking a responsible approach where we make sure that the repayments for each of our products then fall in line with responsible lending and making sure that that can be managed by a customer. And we've seen that that model is something that resonates really well with healthcare providers because I think for a healthcare provider, brand is really important, trust, transparency are really important, and they've been big pieces and barriers that we've been overcoming in healthcare over the past couple of years to make sure that our brand, our business, our model is aligned with what health care providers are looking to do. I think it's really important. You know, healthcare generally is quite conservative and with Buy Now, Pay Later, it still is in the history of payments in Australia. It's an emerging idea. And although consumers are absolutely all over it, they love it. I think it's important to sort of just clarify that evolution that's happened at an industry level to really uh, reinforce that idea of the responsibility around it. Because unlike credit cards, Credit cards are very high interest bearing. They require credit checks and leave credit review reports in the system and provide a variety of challenges for consumers when it comes to potentially borrowing for their homes and or borrowing for cars and the like because of the nature of lending. But the buy now, pay later thing is not lending. Can you clarify the distinction between you know something that everybody has accepted widely is normalized and okay, such as a credit card payment for healthcare, as compared to how the buy now, pay later model works? There's probably sort of two parts there from what you just mentioned around how they differ. And I think firstly, from a buy now, pay later sort of product that we and other businesses in this space have got heavy investment into risk functions and governance to make sure that the criteria that we are safely providing access to funds for people to spend on sort of select merchants or select businesses that we partner with. And it can't be then used in any particular business nationally. It has to be ones that we deem sort of appropriate and go through the relevant checks and balances to bring them on board. Equally from a customer point of view, 
there's sort of strict processes in place around ID checks and other verification points that allow a customer to get access to an available balance. And we do conduct a credit check on customers for higher value plans. And that's really about knowing the customer and making sure that we as a business are providing access to funds for the right customers and they're in a position to be able to afford that particular payment plan and get access to it. So there is a big risk framework that sits around this. And I think that's really important to note from a healthcare provider point of view that it's as much as they may offer a payment plan option to a to a patient or to a customer, we're still managing that decisioning around the customer and what access they get to funds and how that works to make sure that that's appropriate for our business and also appropriate for the customer or the patient as well. Yeah, fantastic. And I think that latter clarification around the credit check, is that a function of the two products? The way I relate to OpenPay is you've got OpenPay, which is the retail merchant, direct-to-consumer type model. And then you have the OP Pro, I think it's called, which is the relationship with trade customers. Slightly different products. Our OpenPay Buy Now Pay Later product is sort of one sign-up journey for the customer and for lower value, there's no credit check. They can access funds based on their info that they provide and they can also access higher value plans through a credit check and that's our Buy Now Pay Later product. The OP Pro product is a B2B product. That is a SaaS platform that digitizes trade accounts and our initial client is with Woolworths. And that's more at the moment, more of an enterprise type solution to manage sort of business transactions. So separate solutions, but both sit under the open pay business. But the credit check component for what we were just talking about is a function of, I suppose, of a higher value plan for customers in our buy now, pay later product. And it's really about making sure that we understand the customer before making decisions around providing them with access to funds. Trade relationships, kind of interesting. You see that potentially expanding into healthcare where there are larger B2B kind of relationships between healthcare providers and employers, for example, who might be paying for the services that are provided to their workforce. It's definitely an opportunity on the horizon. At the moment, I think some of the you know trade businesses similar to Woolworths are really well suited to the platform. And, and I think that that will be the initial opportunities. But I think healthcare is is a really interesting one with the the fragmented nature of it when you you sometimes have sort of one or two really large sort of corporates that are distributing products to a range of different fragmented providers so I think it's definitely an opportunity sort of in the future so let's talk about the big problems in healthcare that you and I've been sort of ruminating on and working on what's become an integration now between Core Plus and OpenPay to support allied healthcare providers to be able to offer clients the opportunity to manage their own finances in a better way in order to be able to access healthcare and see the healthcare journey through. In your words, what do you see as some of the big problems in healthcare at the moment when it comes to access and the role that affordability and payments plays in that? One of the key pieces to providing sort of access to healthcare is that affordability piece. And we know that it's really, it it differs depending on the segment that you're in, but it's for patients to access good quality private healthcare, there is often a cost associated with that. And for some people, that's a real barrier to first getting the right treatment and getting in the door. For others, it's also the difference between accepting a treatment plan that's provided by a particular provider, whether that be an allied health provider or a dentist or a veterinarian, 
And I think that's the, the real challenge that we're looking to solve is to increase the access to healthcare for customers and to also then remove that sort of barrier for a healthcare provider at the same time so they can focus on providing the care that they need and the treatment rather than having a financial discussion with a patient. There's a number of aspects. I was reading some studies recently about these barriers to access and there are a variety of studies that are looked at both domestically and abroad. Sometimes the choice of words varied, but they kind of meant the same thing. Financial constraints, insurance gaps, affordability, in amongst things like approachability, acceptability, availability. There are a variety of things that certainly from a digital health standpoint, we've got a tremendous opportunity to lower those barriers. But at the end of the day, if you've got a patient or a client who really needs the service, they're acknowledging they need the service, there's no other barriers in terms of it is the right service, they can access it, they can attend to it, they can communicate with the healthcare provider. All of those other barriers are pretty much out of the way, but they just can't afford the service because of the gaps or perhaps any out-of-pockets that are needed to be spent or perhaps any health aids or treatment aids that are needed to support the outcomes. Is that fundamentally the big patient financing challenge? That's definitely one of them from a patient financing challenge. I think you've got two parts that you've got this barrier that you just sort of described really well there around a patient getting to the point where they really need that treatment and due to their sort of situation they they're making a financial decision rather than a treatment or a best practice decision and the way that I think we sort of look at that is that potential investment into their health of you know three or four hundred dollars that might be needed there and then it's you know people and, and patients have got the means to pay that over a period of time, but not potentially sort of right there and then when they really need to commit to that treatment. And I think that's a really important part to patients getting the treatment when they need it rather than delaying it and having sort of worse reactions. You've got certain conditions that are going to get worse over time rather than better. And I think the other part of it to this is that we sort of touched on it before that consumers and people are just wanting to pay with our powder as their payment method of choice. There's that component of customers or patients that they might have other means that they that they could pay for services, but really their preference is spreading some of these you know, unforeseen costs over time because you don't always know when you might need to go to the dentist or to see a physio or to sort of see another specialist. And I think there's definitely that category of consumer that is looking at it as their preference rather than just based on I suppose, affordability as well. Yeah, I, I think it's just a, a natural evolution. It's it's sort of a no-brainer from my point of view. I'll just give you a, sort of an analogy just hearing what you just said then. When you look at technology, software, vendors, there was a time and probably still is in some industries and sectors where software vendors used to charge all the fees up front. So the concept of a license was an upfront fee and, you know, for a lot of businesses, that could have been thousands or multiples of tens of thousands of dollars up front in order to get the benefit from the technology. And probably some of us would remember what it was like to buy Microsoft Windows at one point in time where you'd have to buy a box off a shelf and it would be three, four, five hundred dollars, for example, for Microsoft Word and spreadsheet and things of that nature. So we all remember that experience of you want something, you're trying to get it, but then that payment barrier becomes the issue. What did software do? Systematically, it's evolved towards what's now known as a subscription economy or a software as a service type model, which is basically a monthly fee. It's a very low fee in comparison to there's no upfront fees. It's just something that's really easy to get into. You get the value and the benefit out of the software as soon as possible. So I think when we think about our consumption lives, we look at the way that our utilities at home 
a lot of suppliers into our domestic lives have now moved into that kind of subscription or routine payment type approach. But there's still a lot of stuff that just can't work that way for whatever reason. And you still got to pay for it up front. And certainly, you know, healthcare is one of those. So for me, it's a no-brainer to be able to have an innovation like OpenPay come into the sector to be able to address those aspects of barriers to accessing healthcare and really allow the provider and, and their patient to get on with dealing with the healthcare issue and not be stressed or deferring the healthcare outcome because they just simply can't afford to. It's a really important phase for healthcare at the moment to look at this transformation. And I think it's a good way that you put it, looking at it like, I suppose, comparing to other industries and how they've, how they've adapted. And I think I suppose to provide an example from a healthcare point of view of maybe you know, what does that look like in a real life sort of use case? The likes of a podiatrist. You don't expect to see necessarily see your podiatrist sort of on a weekly basis. It might be something that you see them, you know, every twelve months or sometimes every two years because it's an assessment, and then you need you need a pair of orthotics that might cost you a few hundred dollars there and then that you need to be able to fund. Those types of scenarios are ones where that can be then spread out over time rather than be needing to pay three or four hundred dollars right there and then because the you know the value and the use that you're getting out of that consult and that pair of orthotics goes for longer than that consult and starts to be stretched out over a period of sort of 12 to 24 months. And we're also seeing sort of something similar in the physical space if we look at sort of physio, osteo, chiro and somebody come in for, you know, a musculoskeletal type injury, whether that's a neck injury and they might need a couple of treatments to be able to get that fully resolved and back on track along with a spiky ball or a TheraBand and a, another product to be able to sort of fully treat that condition. And those are the types of sort of opportunities that I think that providers are leveraging to make sure that they can package up the treatment, provide the best advice, and then that can be sort of paid off in increments by the patient. So we're sort of seeing those ways of using the product and option work really well at the moment. And that works well for a provider and it's been working well for a patient on the other end as well. What does this mean for other areas of sort of more traditional payment scenarios for healthcare? What does this mean, for example, for the private healthcare industry? So I think the private healthcare industry is still a really sort of integral part of our healthcare ecosystem. You've got the hospital component, you've got sort of the ancillary services around sort of dental and allied health that Private health is really there to be able to sort of support those from a gap point of view. And where I see sort of, I suppose, buy now, pay later coming in is not necessarily a replacement of private healthcare because it's definitely not positioned that way. It can be more used either as a standalone or alongside that. So that can be the payment of gaps because we still know in the hospital setting, you still might have a couple of thousand dollars that you're still paying from a gap payment, which is still significant. And sort of the, the same goes with other allied health and dental sort of areas as well. So I see that working sort of side by side rather than being one or the other, because I just think they're different business models. They're looking to solve completely different things. And I think there's still so much out of pocket component to healthcare that's need to be paid in Australia at the moment that that's where sort of a product like ours can be used. And what about other sectors like disability or uh, aged care? Well, let's talk about disability in particular, because to me that, that seems like a really obvious gap payment opportunity. You know, funding will only go so far under the NDIS. Inevitably, there, there would be some great utility and value to pay for any additional supports that might be needed that aren't covered by the funding. It's definitely an area that we're sort of seeing more interest in. 
we've got a, a handful of providers that provide NDIS type services and that can be sort of offered alongside that, particularly with the likes of the assessment components. We often see the upfront assessment of certain conditions or patients has a cost associated with it before they get access to funding. So I think that's a huge case that can be leveraged. And then also the the gap components that you mentioned, I think, as well. So, you know, the NDIS market and the funding is phenomenal. I think the what they're doing in that industry is great. But I think any time that there is a gap, it's just making sure that customers or patients have sort of got access to how they want to be able to fund that to get the right services that they need. I read somewhere recently in one of your blog articles through the OpenPay platform, approximately 50% of Australians have deferred spending as a result of the pandemic. And there are some references in that blog that uh, OpenPay uh, built a report on. But that's kind of just a reinforcement, I guess, of what we've just been saying, whether it's a, a pandemic or personal circumstances, when people choose to not consume or not go ahead with something they otherwise would, if that barrier wasn't in the way they would be taking full advantage of the value of that good or service. So I think notwithstanding that there are cash, there's EFT, there's credit cards, there's private health insurance, there's Medicare, there's NDIS, there's funding under uh, for home care packages and the like, they may be quite suitable for some Australians, but may not be suitable for all Australians. And I think the key point here is that we need this kind of gap filler, no pun intended, but we need this kind of solution to the scenarios and use cases that currently the payer models that are in place and for those who can afford it in full, where people are not part of those groups or cohorts, then this is a great solution for them to be able to access healthcare and be able to move forward completely with the proposed therapy or the proposed supports to get them to where the goals are aspired towards. What are your thoughts? I think that's a a really good way of looking at it because you've got all of these different schemes, these different sort of insurance type options, but you still leave, you know, you've got these these gap components that still sit separately and you've still got sort of a big percentage of the population that may not fit those insurance buckets. And they're the types of customers that we're seeing as sort of using this for healthcare and I think we'll sort of continue to see that grow sort of over the coming months and years as well. And I think the other part of it is just it's another choice for patients. We're really big on on patient choice and that I think you get choices in all other facets of how you can have certain treatment types or, or different decisions in that. And I think it's important to have the choice of how you wish to pay for that as well. And so that's where I think it's a good option that providers provide to patients. So there is a choice and then patients are sort of empowered to make the decision that sort of fits their needs or their position because as a healthcare provider, it's it's not something you would typically discuss with the patient around sort of, you know, their, their financial situation or how they wish to manage their money. But I think by offering choice, then uh, you allow the patient to make that decision on their behalf and not have that impacting that sort of treatment barrier that we were touching on before. I think another key point would be that health providers have an opportunity because of open pay to innovate their fee model, perhaps. Some of the things that sort of come to mind would be bundling of treatment aids with the service that they're offering and kind of making it easier to benefit from the month-by-month payment arrangement that OpenPay would deliver, adding no extra cost to the consumer, but simply making it easier to communicate the service and the treatment aids that are going to be provided to a client. And then, as you say, allow that client or customer to make the choice. 
on whether they want to pay for it completely out of their their own funds or if they want to budget and take an approach of using the open pay solution to be able to fund that healthcare treatment. Are you seeing anything like that in the space at the moment? Yeah, we're, we're starting to see that grow, I suppose, over the past six months. And what we're sort of seeing in that is really around sort of treatment plan acceptance and that for a given condition, injury that a, a patient comes in for, there's usually a recommended treatment plan that comes with that that may include, you know, three to four physical therapy sessions. And it may also then include one or two devices, be it a TheraBand, a pillow, some other form of sort of device that's needed to help support that recovery. And we're starting to see that rather than have a week-by-week conversation with that patient and the patient not fully sort of adopt that full treatment plan and the recommendations, having that conversation up front showing them what that treatment plan looks like, what that bundle could look like and helping a patient then commit to that because we know that that's the best treatment outcome and then they sort of pay that off in increments is something that we're starting to see more of. And that's a bit of a sort of a a changing mindset from a provider point of view that you're still offering the treatment that you would be recommending regardless of what the payment option is, but it just helps for the patient to sort of, I suppose, understand and commit to that because that's the the best practice sort of treatment recommendation. So we're starting to see a little bit more creativity around that from an innovation from providers of how they how they communicate that. And I think we'll start to sort of see that more and more as an option to be able to sort of provide that to patients rather than have a, you know, a, a one week by one week sort of conversation around treatment. Let's talk about the integration that we've achieved because I think it's one of the first of its kind. I know you're working in dental optometry and the veterinary space, but in terms of allied health, I think we're the first cab off the rank in putting forward an an innovative integration that enables open pay to become an option that can be presented to Core Plus's health provider communities, clients, and empower that kind of choice. And we went through a bit of a co-design, co-create process to work through this. Did you want to describe it in your words and and from your point of view? Yeah, I think um, it's been exciting to be able to sort of bring this partnership together. And as you mentioned, we've been speaking just for some time now and sort of have connected around how we bring the two sort of solutions together. And I think that's been a really good sort of experience over the past six or so months. And Really, I think this is a first around bringing a platform together that really supports the allied health market with a buy now, pay later provider. And I think that is a first step to sort of start to see those synergies has been great. Where we see this, I suppose, that, that advantage being for bringing the two solutions together is making it as easy as possible for the health provider. We know that, you know, health providers have got so many different things that they're managing on a day-to-day basis. So being able to sort of bring a easy payment solution straight into the core plus system where it can be sort of used seamlessly by whether it's a practitioner or whether it's the, the front desk reception practice management team that's been a sort of really well received around how easy that is to use and i think that's you know a really important part to any new solution in the health space that it has to be really user-friendly from a both a practice and a, and a consumer point of view and i think that's what we've been able to do which is really exciting yeah, I love the way our integration has come together. It's basically just another option in terms of how to pay for the invoice or on the invoice. So as an allied health provider raises the invoice, sends that out to the client, they have an open pay link just as they would with paying by credit card or using a BSB or account number. 
So it's very seamless and very intuitive for the consumer to exercise their discretion and choice to then go through what I think is a great user experience on the OpenPay platform in terms of downloading the application and going through a very simple submission of information about themselves and then sort of working through your approval process to ultimately onboard them as a customer of OpenPay and then be able to use the OpenPay solution to be able to facilitate payment through to the allied healthcare provider. And on the other side, you've also got the merchant onboarding process. Do you want to talk to that a little bit and sort of explain what it might be like for an allied health provider to become an open pay merchant? Yeah, sure. From a, an onboarding point of view for an allied health provider, we collect some basic business information via a digital form. That information then gets reviewed by our team to provide contract review by the allied health business provider. That can happen pretty seamlessly for businesses that want to sign up immediately. For businesses that do want to find out a little bit more about the solution and sort of just understand some more of the details, we've got a team that can sort of take everybody through that one-on-one within a phone phone call or a team's message or hopefully in person in some states. Once we collect that sort of that digital form, the contract is provided and once that's signed, we set up an account for that allied health provider and then assist with the setup into Core Plus. And really that process can take a few days from the sort of first request through to setup. So it's a really quick, easy process. And then we provide full business support around training to describe how OpenPay can sort of be positioned to your patients, how the transaction flow works. Yana, you sort of mentioned it before. It's very intuitive, but I think it's always nice sometimes to have a person step you through it when it's the first time. And we also then provide a number of sort of digital assets and touch points that can be used within your practice at your discretion with how you want to position this as well. It's a very simple process that can be taken through, but there's a lot of sort of support pieces that are built out around the outside to make sure that as an allied health provider, you've got the support you need to offer this and offer it properly within the practice. Also, another factor there is the reconciliation. So although OpenPay offers wonderful resources to track and review and report on the transactions that are put through the OpenPay platform, it's also nice to know for the Core Plus user community that an important part for anyone integrating with OpenPay down the road, it's to ensure that the invoice itself in terms of any items that are within the invoice are also reconciled and there's a clear account of what's being paid by Medicare, what's being paid by OpenPay, what's being paid perhaps in cash or by EFT or whatever the case is. So that's the understated aspects of how important it is to do these seamless integrations that really make for a great user experience, whether it's the allied healthcare provider as the user in their practice, in their practice management, or whether it's the consumer of allied healthcare services and what their experience is like. We've really thought that through and I think it's been a delightful process and it's a real credit to OpenPay for having that same philosophy around co-designing, co-creating and co-launching because we are at kind of the early stages for the allied healthcare sector to really embrace buy now, pay later in order to alleviate the barriers to accessing healthcare that we described a little bit earlier, but to do it in a way that's quite easy, simple and delightful and really allows for a great experience for everybody concerned. I think also one of the other key benefits, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, Nick, in terms of where it's at at the moment, but aside from an allied healthcare's existing clients, the OpenPay network is experiencing tremendous growth across all the verticals that you're currently supporting, which means that you have a very large and growing consumer audience. 
So tell me more about that, perhaps, you know, the size and scale, the way you validate and vet that consumer audience and how you make it easy for the consumer then to get exposure or access to merchants who are connected to your platform and what kind of likelihood there is of actually using the merchant network once somebody becomes an open pay customer. Both of the points that you just sort of touched on are really important. I think firstly that like the reconciliation piece that you mentioned is really understated. And I think that's one that as a business user or owner, to be able to have that piece seamless is really important. So I think, you know, I just wanted to sort of acknowledge that as well. From a consumer point of view, I think we've talked a lot about the treatment side of things, looking at treatment conversion, looking at I suppose how that works from a business user point of view. But the important side of this sort of two-sided platform or marketplace is that we have sort of hundreds of thousands of consumers that are using OpenPay and are using that as their method of payment choice. And we're starting to sort of see for some recent surveys we did that 39% of Australians that are wanting to use Buy Now Pay Later for healthcare. What we're sort of seeing in our customer database is we have a number of touch points that we will showcase to our to our consumers and to our customers of the merchants or the businesses offering open pay. So that can be easily found through our website. That can be sort of other have featured providers that are placed there and then also found in our app where people are sort of visiting on a daily basis to to look for the different businesses that we're currently partnering with. We run a lot of marketing activities to be able to then communicate to our customers sort of on a weekly basis and sort of a number of touch points through digital channels to promote both national businesses, but also smaller businesses and healthcare providers potentially in a reach that suits them. So it might be more looking at Melbourne-based customers for certain allied health businesses. That activity sort of together allows businesses to have a greater reach and access more customers to potentially bring in new patients to their business. And we've definitely seen that with providers that have come on board. And I think that's something that we will see more and more that as the usage continues to grow for customers, they're really looking at providers that offer the ways that they want to pay or the ways that they want to book and and these components that are really important to them. So I think it's something that's only going to continue to grow, particularly as our customer base continues to grow and it's been really growing at a significant pace over the past sort of 12 months as well. They're really important statistics because it obviously reflects engagement that when somebody becomes an open pay customer, they start to show very strong engagement with the merchant network. I was reading somewhere, it's something like 70% of your customers are routinely using OpenPay and engaging with the merchant network. So that's a really strong statistic as far as engagement is concerned. Another statistic I was looking at was that the reach is really quite broad. So what that means is that it doesn't get talked about as much as it should in my view, but there's a really big pain point in allied healthcare on how much money gets spent on Google advertising and conventional marketing approaches in order to acquire new clients. And when you think about where can you get your referrals from, clearly peers are a great way to do that. And I'm a strong advocate for that in the digital health interoperability idea and how we can actually bring provider to provider relationships together for referrals. And also we can do a great job with our existing clients and they can refer friends and colleagues. And so that's that's a good outcome as well. But having an engaged network of consumers who 
look you up on a directory on OpenPay and then click through and make a booking with you and then use OpenPay 70% of the time to pay you is a great new client acquisition strategy as well. So there's a lot of good elements to this this idea and good story. And the reason I kind of touch on that is because I, I did want to cover off just very briefly Call Plus has a network of a little over 16,500 health professionals on the platform. And when we surveyed our customers about the idea of buy now, pay later, that led to, I think it's fair to say, an overwhelming feedback of support for the idea and a lot of enthusiasm. But I just wanted to touch on a criticism that came through, particularly within the psychology community, because I, I think it's, it's important to address this in some way where there was a perception that it might be sort of unethical to offer a buy now, pay later solution to a patient. And there was some talk about issues around over-servicing. So just want to qualify the overwhelming response in the survey was supportive of the idea and recognised all the key benefits and a lot of the ideas that you and I have spoken about today. But it was kind of interesting to me that there was that kind of perception. And it, it seemed to me a little bit counterintuitive given that so many consumers in Australia have sent a very clear message to OpenPay and the industry, as well as to government, that they absolutely like using buy now, pay later. It's kind of a, a lay by, you know, 10.0, if I could put it that way, as an yeah. idea for those of us who are old enough to remember lay buys. It's just a, another option that's going to suit some people more than others in terms of how they access healthcare. And there's no intimation or suggestion that this is going to result in any over-servicing or unethical conduct in any way, shape or form. And I think you made the point earlier, Nick, that it's really just another choice where the established how do I pay options now have a new line item, a little section that says you can pay by cash, you can pay by your direct debit, you can use a, a credit card, or you can buy now, pay later using OpenPay. So I think that that's a really important point to make here as well. One last question for you, Nick. What do you see happening in healthcare and buy now, pay later into the future? What's your vision for it over the next, let's say, five years? So I think for for us, the vision for it is to is for buy now, pay later to really be sort of accepted everywhere that a healthcare service can be provided to make sure that patients have got choice regardless of whether they're going to a dentist for surgery for allied health and sort of having that you know it's it's getting more it's widely adopted at the moment but I think there's still a huge amount of room to be able to sort of grow into areas that we spoke about today and I think that's really our goal is to be able to reduce that barrier to treatment in Australia and into the UK and the US and other markets to give patients choice and make sure they can get the right level of care that they need. So for us, that's, you know, that's sort of aligned to their vision of changing the way that people pay for the better. And I think healthcare is such an important part of everybody's lives that, you know, if we can make that easier and better, then I think that's a really good outcome. Thanks again, Nick, for, uh, for coming in and having a chat with me today. And I really appreciate the ongoing approach to the relationship. Made the point earlier, co-design, co-create, co-launch. It's a point in time, I think, in the history of healthcare, a milestone to be able to offer buy now, pay later. I am a believer in that vision. I really think that empowering consumer choice is the key value proposition. There's very minimal risk for the allied healthcare community to 
implemented as a choice because the only time the fees really come into play is when consumers elect that choice and actually use it obviously means there's some value generated there for the consumer and potentially some new clients coming into that health providers business in the process so i'd like to see the the reality of that come through over the coming years as well so thanks again nick really appreciate your time today thanks yanni thanks for having me it's been great to great to chat further about this absolute pleasure mate Thanks for listening. This podcast is produced in collaboration with Health Tech X, where we are working toward a world of integrated digital health empowerment for all people. If you'd like more info on how to get involved, head over to the website, healthtechx.com.au. Or if you have any feedback about the show, you can reach out to me directly on LinkedIn, Instagram, or email by following the links in this episode's show notes. And finally, Don't forget to subscribe to Reimagining Healthcare in your podcast app. And if you like what you heard, leave us a five-star review. It really helps other people find the show. I'm your host, Yanni Sopanos, and I'll speak to you in our next episode.